Oh, yes. Uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, a warm one. We're starting to feel it, too, right? The warm weather coming in. Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson in for Jack Michaels, the Jack Michaels Show. Jack on his way down to Sioux Falls and the uh, b- beautiful Sioux Empire to get ready for the Canaries and the Red Hawks tonight. And I'm We're sure going to be... see lots of 29 here in yeah. the next week and a half. Yes, for sure. Oh, going no doubt. Up and down all the way to Winnipeg and Sioux Falls, Winnipeg, Sioux City. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a crazy. One straight line. But, yeah, so it's going to be a fun one. You know, It's usually a little warmer in Sioux Falls, too, from living there, I can tell you. Yeah, it's I a little uh, stickier see what than, the you know. game time, uh, whether it's sitting out right there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I have not been outside since I got to work this morning. Yeah, so, it's, I've, you know, I've kind it's of starting to pick up. Keeping just, an eye yeah. on the radar to see if some uh, it's kind of some, some showers here and there have popped up. 83, got some clouds in Sioux Falls, probably looking at about 88. Actually, no, about 89 on the first pitch, nice. 635. So, yeah, so here we go. Um, the uh, baseball world is just uh, talking about the red-hot Minnesota Twins right now, beating up on all these bad teams, but they're finding ways to win. It's similar to as I'm you know, kind of watching quarterback on one TV and have the Twins on the other. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of remind you a little bit of the uh, Viking season. Exciting, thrilling, but you just don't know what's going to happen to come the postseason, and that's uh, kind of where I'm at with this right now. Hey, I'm enjoying the entertainment of it all. Mm-hmm. I thought Corey Provis's call of Sunday's game was about as good as he's ever done, and that's saying something because he's obviously very good. But, man, uh, they're they're fun right now. I mean, this is all there is to it. So, Well, I just – I the pitching, you know, again was there. I don't think we're talking enough of what the bullpen has done, and we'll visit with Dick Bramer coming up here a little later on in the program about uh, about that. He'll join us here in a few minutes. But, you know, the bullpen, you know, last night uh, apparently Duran was not available, and Griffin Jacks, who really has been pretty good, he's given up two home runs all year, and they both have come against the Mariners in the last week. Uh, but that had that had the look of being just an awful loss if had they not been able to come back. But um, offensively, I just – I like the approach. Uh, you know, I think what Kirilov and Julian have added. Uh, Matt Wallner maybe hasn't gotten a lot of hits, but I, his at bats are good. I mean, he takes a lot of pitches and deep and counts, and um, you know, and he, he's going to strike out some. But you know, I just the, the approach seems to be uh, a very patient approach. Um, you know, Larnick comes through, gets a big hit last night. I just, you know, you, I don't know. To say it's an embarrassment of riches is probably a little bit extreme, but if you get Polanco back, you're going to get Lewis back. Uh, you might add a bat. You know, depth-wise, we felt like they were going to be pretty good, and maybe that's starting to, to, to take shape here a little bit more. Yeah, once you get the other guys healthy, that certainly should help out. So, And uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And uh, back at it again tonight against Kirby, which is going to be interesting because he dominated them. Uh, we got the buddy. Is, uh, is he bugging you there? Sorry. No, he's just fine. <laughs> he I, just we, fine. we have Jet, the famous dog here that uh, I've stolen. Uh, well, actually, I got permission to steal anyway from just, for the He's day. just hanging out. Yep. So, uh, he's yeah, right at my foot. The boy's dog is kind of hanging out <laughs> here. Yes. Uh, if, if you go to YouTube at any time, uh, Jet KFGL, you'll find uh, his antics around here. No, looking forward to that. Boy, a scary deal with LeBron James's son uh, in a cardiac arrest. My goodness. And uh, sounds like he's stable out of the ICU now, but uh, just having a little, what, pickup game at USC, huh? Yeah, I just uh, reading the story here. Cardiac arrest yesterday is in stable condition. Um, you know, he's no longer in ICU, which is good news there. Uh, of course, you know, you think of that, you're going to think of DeMar Hamlin, and he did uh, uh, address things on Twitter or X or Y oh, sure. or Z or whatever we're calling it now. But, uh <laughs> Prayers to Bronny and the James family. Here for you guys, like you have been for me my entire process. Yeah, but, uh, it's, you know, uh, Demar, a young man, uh, LeBron's son, 18 years old. 
about to be a freshman at USC. Uh, it's the second time it's happened to the USC program. Um, they had uh, one of their uh, their center in the, uh, had cardiac arrest uh, nearly a year ago, July first of two thousand twenty two. So that is, you know, it doesn't matter how good you know how good a shape you're in, you feel like you're in. That's scary. Yeah, that's sure. Well, and just uh, so many, you know, it could have been very tragic too. And obviously, thinking about him and his whole family there, that is for sure. Uh, we get closer and closer to everything that's going on. It's I, I still am not ready to see all these training camp videos we're seeing on SportsCenter, but they're out there, so that's well, where we're at right we're now. we're getting and, into media. I know the Big Ten's having their media day yes. uh, coming up here this week. Um, UND, I've got some of the email there where UND's announced their uh, their practice schedule. They're going to get things going next week, and uh, they kind of their fall prospectus and probably get into that a little bit more uh, in the coming days. Um, one thing I noticed out of that um, – New defensive coordinator. There's a lot of open. Uh, there's a lot of uh, when they list kind of the two deep or three deep. Yeah. There's a lot of oars in there, so that leads to believe there's going to be a lot of open competition sure. defensively for UND. Yeah, and you know, obviously, which is fine. Graduation, some transfer portal stuff. You know, that just kind of is where you're at right now. A lot of question marks when it comes to things like that, and you know, we shall see. And I think a lot of focus, obviously, will be on the defending national champions too. So it, 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 I think. Uh, when we come to the Missouri Valley Football Conference uh, media days, that'll be a lot of fun and kind of check that out. Yep, that'll be coming up next week over span really a couple, uh, wow. a couple of days. I know Bubba Schweigert is speaking, I believe, next Tuesday, and then Matt Entz is, I believe, the second. Okay. So, how can this be already? I'm, I'm my heavens. But, start uh, turning the start turning the calendar August. Yeah, That's just it, kind of the way it happens it fast. So it, that it, is for it, sure. It really does. Texter comes in. Why was Duran not available? Uh, Rocco refuses to adopt a traditional closer. I don't get it. Uh, he had, he had pitched Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So I guess, but he had gone three straight nights at Oakland. I don't know if that was just by design, but that was the other thing that was impressive. They, they had kind of the non-traditional guys in there, Balazovic and, uh, and you know, Jack's trying to finish it. And Jorge Lopez, granted, it's baby steps, but that was uh, that was a big inning for him last night. Hopefully that uh, the start of something uh, something better. Yeah, no question. And in tough situations, you know, we got to, you know, we rip him when he's failed this year, but uh, Pagan the last couple of times, you know. Well, he's been really, I mean, right. he's been really good. Exactly. So we and we got to be fair, right? I mean, we're fair. If we're going to rip him, we got to build him up a little bit too. So, yeah, certainly looking to see uh, – exciting things coming right now for the Minnesota Twins, beating teams that they should beat, and hopefully they can get back at it again tonight against one of the pitch, best pitchers right now in Major League Baseball. One thing I did notice with him, I, he pitched uh, the game I was at Friday night against the White Sox um, through an inning. He was he was hitting the gun at 96-97, yeah. and he hasn't consistently done that. Yeah, so I mean – one of those things, the time off a little bit helps. I, I don't know. I mean, if he's that's, given up one earned run in the month of July. Unbelievable. Just looking at that. He, uh, but over ten appearances, seven, close to about ten innings, given up one earned run. Well, to your point yesterday is just the fact that if they're if they make the postseason, they're four games ahead of Cleveland right now, which is a good sign as we're going into August, and that means there's two months less of the season. If he can, you know, this team gets in, you have that type of pitching, and the bullpen gets solidified, and you get Thielbar back, and you have a little bit more depth there and consistency and what you can count on, maybe can scratch off two runs and win some games in the postseason. That's many times how it's won, too. I, I think they are, and I almost feel like I'm being the kiss of death for saying this, but I, I think – they're better equipped for a short series than they have been in a long mm-hmm. time in appearances. Yeah. Uh, I just think with the 
you know, you're probably only going to need three starters in a in a five game series. Um, so you think, like to think you have a fair amount of depth, and um, if you throw, if you can, you throw Pablo Ryan and um, I'm trying to think who the, who the third guy would be probably. Um, well, Pablo Ryan, and then uh, uh, going. Um, what's his face? Oh, Sonny. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. Good grief. Yeah, and so you know those are the three, right? Mm-hmm, and then you would think, and then you kind of go, you know, from there and kind of see how it plays out. Maeda, you hope is going to be more consistent, and that you know, pitch he pitched okay last night. So oh, he was he was very good yeah. last night. So and 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 it's really it's a Seattle team. We kind of talked a little bit about this with uh, with Dick Bramer and I, and a little bit with Corey Provis too about how they were. It's a very similar type of team. It's a team that's maybe underachieved a little bit offensively. They have had some issues, and um, you know, really pitching wise and defensively. But I mean, it was, to me, it, it, those are good wins. I mean, those are really good wins. Just because maybe, yeah, the the opponents are haven't been great, but just to show a little bit of resolve and something maybe we haven't seen from the Twins consistently all year. Now, granted, can it keep going? Well, we'll see. But right now, uh, right now, this is as good as they played all year. And Matt Walner, it was nice of him to be at the D8 spot and have three Ks just to kind of keep the tradition going. So, no, sorry. He's been good. It's just that I just had to get that cheap shot in, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's, but I, I don't know. It seems, I, I know he's going to strike out a lot, but it just seems like they're more – the at-bats seem to be a little more productive than what we've seen, say, from from Joey Gallo. Um, Gophers have been predicted to finish third in the Big Ten West behind Wisconsin and Iowa. This according to the 13th annual Cleveland.com preseason Big Ten football poll. Just one first-place vote for the Gophers among uh, the 37. Wisconsin picked to win it. Iowa second. I don't think that's any surprise. No. no it shouldn't be anyway. I mean, I just I, – and it's such a potpourri of who knows, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. Northwestern obviously might have a little bit of an even worse setback than what they had last I, year. They were like, I think you can, you can put them at seventh, right? Yeah. Now. And then – I guess you just kind of look at everything. Is Nebraska actually in the you know new coaching staff? Are they going to be able to resurrect everything? And, you know, the where is the whole Big Ten going to be at? Because you know what happens out in the east. And, and mm-hmm. where's Illinois at? You know, and that, that's kind of an, yeah, uh, Illinois fourth. I think they might be the wild card in this thing. Right. They lose their really good running back, right? So that's the, the thing there. But they are they're good defensively. I mean, that was that was what. Bit the Gophers and the you know what last year too. So so have they when when USC and UCLA come in? Are they going to how are they going to do this? They going to two divisions. It sounds like they're going to break divisions. the divisions up, and so I don't know. So this is probably for the go- realistically for the Gophers the last time to maybe win realistically That's a very good point. Big Ten championship game. And I don't know how realistic that is, but the well, odds, I mean, the odds aren't going to be any uh, any better uh, once uh, once they add uh, uh, the California schools in. You know, Kevin Warren's legacy for the three years he was there. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting, don't you think? I mean, I think he tried to get everyone to follow suit with him postponing the the COVID COVID, season. And the SEC and ACC said, nah, we'll keep playing. And that kind of made everyone real. Then they played the season too late, and that was a mess. And and then bringing in USC and UCLA, I just don't get it. And and does this help the brand any more than what they have already? I I, I don't. I, I I just I just we have to watch mm-hmm. to see where it goes, and it's probably not over, right? I mean, we're probably going to see. Oh, I think you may see more. I, I I could see them wanting to get to eighteen or twenty, right? Without batting an eye, and I, I think that's where we're at right now. And and that 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 because if they don't have divisions, it's not just the Gophers have to worry. I mean, I would say Iowa and Wisconsin are going, huh? Because it's going to be Ohio State, 
Penn State and Michigan fighting for it all the time, aren't they? I mean, that's and then I guess USC. And the other thing too, do Maryland and Rutgers look around and go, "Is this the best thing for us?" Yeah, they'd probably be better in the ACC for mm-hmm. sure. If, right. if, if Maybe I don't know, travel. If, I don't know if Maryland would go back to the ACC or not, but if they would even if want they, them, or if they'd be welcome back, right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just because like, it hasn't bettered them. I mean, you look at some of the teams that have made the move. I would say A and M. It's probably better them that they went to the SEC because they weren't vying for national championships anyway. Yeah, but. I don't think having Texas come with them is helping them. I'm sure they're not very happy about that, right? But they were able to separate themselves from their rivals, and that was kind of fun for them, I think. Maryland is, hasn't helped them at all. They're still just that f- scrappy little football team, mm-hmm. that, that. but they're not going to win the East anytime soon. And they've really... Nebraska's making the move has not helped out that football program at all. Zero. No, it really hasn't. It's, it's gone backwards, actually. Mm-hmm. And it still might be the curse of Frank Solich firing him after going nine and three, but I, I just I kind of wonder, you know, it, it, do they is there any buyer's remorse for Nebraska after they're ticked off at Texas for not wanting to share revenue, right? Because the Big Twelve doesn't share revenue the way the other conferences do, mm-hmm. and you know that was the mass exodus there, right? It was A and M and Nebraska, Missouri saying bleep you guys, and here we are because it's it's I. College football is so weird now. I just wonder if there's not going to be four conferences and if the Big 12 and Pac-12 almost have to merger at this point. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be shocked by that. And uh, I think there'll be more movement. It, you know, I, I think as we find it usually takes one to start it up again. And yep. it, it'll start up again. You know, we'll see. It, does it take a year? Does it take a couple of years? But it something will something will uh, pop up. But, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, really with the Pac-12, it looks like San Diego State. That is not going to happen. They're going to stay in the Mountain West, which of course raises some eyebrows up here for those that want to see NDSU go FBS. And you know, does that does the Mountain West? Does the AAC? I mean, but that's another. That's a I whole, don't think that's a whole yeah, other story. San Diego State staying in the Mountain West, I don't think helps out NDSU fans who want to go to the Mountain West. Oh, not at all. I mean, that's not the, that's all. just not a school that's going to be interested in playing in the Fargo Dome. I'm sorry. and they, Their vote will count. Uh, <laughs> There's yes. no doubt about that, that is, the way uh, things are going. That is, that is very true. 237-3767 is the phone number, 1-888-458-6926. You can text us, short code 35270. Uh, Dick Bramer will join us here in a few minutes. Uh, also, we're in the midst of uh, Legion Baseball, the state tournaments in North Dakota, and Kindred has the uh, Class A state tournament, which is the uh, the middle class. Um, we have four games starting Friday. Josh Almaris is the coach of uh, Kindred Post 117, also one of the tournament organizers. He will join us. Four games on Friday with uh, Wapton, the uh, top team from the east, and uh, I think a lot of them, a lot of uh, folks that follow this have them maybe pegged as the favorite to win the whole thing. They have Watford City in game one, the West Fargo Vets and the Bismarck Senators. In game two, Castleton and the Bismarck Capitals in game three, and then Dickinson and Host Kindred on Friday night. Now they're having an opening ceremony before that uh, final game, and uh, uh, those folks have done a really nice job uh, with the facilities they have. They're upgraded facilities over the last two or three years, and we'll visit with Josh on that coming up uh, later on in the program. Well, looking forward to uh, that because I know a lot of people are excited about that. Both sides of the river, some state uh, legion coming up here, so yes. a lot of fun with a lot of teams represented. It's, they, they go the long john, right? Are they heading out to... Oh. The okay, so uh, the, the top class. I think this is pretty much it for uh, the 
basically the, the B and the A in North Dakota. And then Double uh, A is going on in Dickinson right now, and they take two teams that will go to the uh, Central Plains Regional in Rapid City. So, um, so we'll, that just got going last night, and that goes throughout the weekend. West Fargo's playing right now, and the Patriots lead Mandan in that uh, game 7-1 to one at last look there in the fifth inning there. But, uh, yeah, so the uh, top two out of that top class at Double A uh, I know Post 2 is uh, looking to try and get back there. West Fargo made it last year. And, um, and of course, next year, actually the next two years, West Fargo and Post 400, the Central Plains Regional will be in West Fargo next year and then in Fargo in 25. So if you're, that's uh, good news for Legion Baseball in this state. It's uh, still, uh, still, still going strong. All right, uh, Jefferson Lines brings us Dick Bramer. He'll be coming up here shortly. His weekly chat here on the Twins Wrap. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in for Jack Michaels here on the Jack Michaels Show. And welcome to another edition of the Twins Wrap. Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson with you. Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins, every Tuesday at this time. And, well, Dick, this has been a lot of fun. You get bonus baseball and exciting finishes. Yeah, four wins in a row, a chance to win their fifth in a row tonight. And uh, that's something that uh, they have yet to do this year. But it looks like they're going to back up uh, their most successful road trip of the year with their most successful uh, homestand. And it has been fun to watch. My goodness, I you know the walk-off wins are always exciting, but particularly last night when you think you've got the game in hand and you're one strike away, and then something really awful happens—the two-run home run that gave Seattle the lead—but then the Twins come right back and end up winning it in the end anyway. So uh, it's been fun to watch, and just beyond the wins and the nice run they've been on since the All-Star break just to see the quality of the at-bats up and down the lineup, game in, game out. Uh, it's really been uh, fun to watch. Of course, it makes you wonder why they didn't do that that often in the first half of the year, but it doesn't matter. They've, they're in first place by four games, and it looks like they're a, a really good team right now. When, yeah, when you look at it, too, I mean, we know that the pitching's there, but they're, they're getting a little bit of balance now, finally, with the offense, too. Yeah, and... Uh, Unsung heroes in this nice run have been the relief pitchers. Now, Griffin Jack's giving up the home run notwithstanding. Uh, the bullpen has been really, really good, and it's been guys you might not expect uh, or might not have expected uh, to step up, like uh, Balazovic. Uh, Ortega's done a really nice job. Uh, Emilio Pagan has been rock solid for the last, oh, two, two and a half months, something like that. So, uh, the bullpen is kind of rounding into shape right now, and the hope is they'll get Brock Stewart and Caleb Thielbar back pretty soon as well. I, you know, last night was kind of interesting too. I, I, obviously, Duran must not have been available. He had pitched the the previous two nights, so he kind of and you know Jorge Lopez. It was baby steps, but uh, scoreless inning on uh, on Sunday, and probably the the highest leverage situation he's had here in recent uh, recent moments. And he uh, uh, passed that with flying colors in the tenth. Yeah, he uh, pitched. Uh, a nice uh, tenth inning. You know, we talk about high leverage situations. Well, you start an inning as a uh, relief pitcher in extra innings, and there's already a guy standing at second base. So that's the ultimate high leverage situation. You're in a tough spot already. You did nothing to put yourself there, but you got to find a way to get three outs without, uh, you know, giving uh, giving up that go ahead run. And he did a nice job with that last night. When you look at it too, I mean, if if you have those guys, and we talk so much about uh, you know four games ahead of uh, Cleveland right now in the American League Central and, and where they could be sitting, not many people have 
high expectations for them if they do make it in the postseason. But Brad and I were talking about this the past couple of days. You know, you get in there, you get a chance with that type of pitching. That's what wins in October. So who knows? I'm not making any bold predictions here, but at least you have that positive thing. And we really haven't had that the past few times that the Twins have been in the postseason. Last year, about this time, the Philadelphia Phillies were a very flawed team and people weren't expecting much of them. But they got into the tournament at the end of the season and almost won the World Series. A few years before that, uh, Atlanta did it. And then Washington did it a year or two before that. So you really don't know. The The point of it all is, of course, to get there. Uh, the Twins fell short last year. There were a lot of injuries. And, uh, you know, instead of losing players now in the end of uh, July and early August, the Twins are hopeful that they're going to get guys like Polanco and Royce Lewis back. Um, injuries are going to determine so much of what happens between now and the final game of the World Series. But right now the Twins are in pretty good shape. And it's not because of their one loss record. It's because they've got players, uh, you know, major players like Polanco due to come back in the hopes that, uh, you know, they'll be able to keep this nice run going. Polanco in his rehab assignment has been playing third base. So it has, will that be where he lands? Will it kind of be a mix thereof? Any kind of idea or any word that you've, uh, that you've uh, been able to, to, to glean off anybody? Well, so much of it depends on Eddie Julian, who's getting on base about 60% of the time since the All-Star break. Um, He's been wonderful. They need his bat in the lineup. He brings some energy. He's not very good defensively, but, you know, he is creating a really unusual situation here where you've got a veteran player. And remember a few years ago, Polanco was a starting shortstop for the American League in the All-Star game, but you've got a veteran second baseman who's going to be trying a new position uh, to make room for a rookie. Uh, sometimes it's the other way around, right? You know, the rookie's got to find a place to play, but they uh, they want Julian at second base, and they think Polanco can handle third. And even that is a short-term thing because Royce Lewis uh, figures to be a third baseman whenever he's activated, and hopefully that'll be sometime next month as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And you know, we talked about Byron Buxton at nauseum last week. He gets two home runs on Fridays on paternity leave now. But, you know, if if it's not able to go, if he's not able to play there, you got to be tempted to see if the rookie can play DH when everyone's back healthy, too. I mean, Julian's walks last night were huge. I mean, those are just the little things that can make, you know, the difference of this offense being really good or not. Well, the the lineup and its fluctuating status throughout the first half, where players really didn't know where they were going to hit, if they were going to play, then if they were, where they are going to hit in the lineup. Well, now at least the top of the lineup looks pretty good when you've got uh, Correa hitting leadoff, Julian hitting second, Kirilov third, Buxton fourth, or wherever he settles when he uh, comes back. It's a really good lineup, a productive lineup. The at-bats have been so much better, and that's why they won You know these – you know, close ball games, these one and two run ball games, it's, there's just more cohesion or flow in the batting order than there has been. And uh, everybody, at least uh, Twins fans, are hoping that that'll continue. Boy, look at the White Sox. I was at Friday's game, and just uh, boy, fundamentally, they still they still make mistakes. But it just it just looks like a team that uh, maybe needs to be blown up, and it might be here in the next couple of weeks. Well, uh, they really embarrassed themselves in the three games here over the weekend. 
Uh, Tim Anderson in particular looked like he didn't even want to play baseball. Uh, he had a ball 300 feet on a line to right center field, and I don't think he ran 30 feet out of the batter's box. And uh, you just, you know, as an organization, you can't have that. You, you've got to have, especially from your, no, he's a veteran. He's not some young guy who might not know any better. But, you know, so much of that team over the last four or five years has revolved around Tim Anderson. And when he does that, uh, that's really disappointing, I'm sure, for everybody in the organization. And so as they potentially are getting blown up or at least moving some big pieces, uh, I would not be at all surprised to see Tim Anderson be moved. Game tonight, you know, uh, no doubt Kirby really, he had uh, the, the Twins flustered last uh, Thursday afternoon. And I guess, you know, I don't know how much tape you watch and that type of thing, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes the second time around now for the Twins seeing him w- within just the past week. Right. We had a pitching matchup, a rematch, if you will, last night with Maeda going against Castillo. And both starters did a really good job. And I expect that'll be the case again tonight with Pablo Lopez going for the Twins. It's tough when you're a pitcher and you succeed and do so well uh, against a team, and then your next start is also against that very same team. So, yeah, there's in this day and age, everybody you know, can look at their at-bats on their phone when they're home if they want to. Well, you know, how do you get me out? How do you strike me out? What were his sequences? I mean, there's so much more pregame preparation that's done on video, uh, but the memory of what uh, Kirby did to the Twins in Seattle last week should be pretty fresh for all of them. Oh, one of the twin starters, uh, Bailey Ober, pitched all right on Sunday, and he is, of course, has uh, had some arm problems in the past. And um, and is there been any talk about um, uh, you know he's getting kind of to the point here where he's probably going to pitch as many as many innings as he has in pro ball? Is that maybe uh, is that come up about maybe giving him a start off, or is it kind of just take it as it goes? Well, uh, that question was asked of Rocco Baldelli, and he said. Uh, right now, the plan is to just let Bailey over pitch. Uh, you know, one thing in his favor, he's a big guy. You know, he's a he's six nine and and you know lean yet strong. And so they'll be monitoring all sorts of things. And it's not just okay as they get guys out the third time through the order uh, consistently. But I mean, they're looking at spin rate on his pitches. All the technology that's in the game now can tell you if a pitcher is you know starting to slow down or fatigue and they'll be watching watching him very closely as they will everybody i mean we last year uh, joe ryan led the staff with i think 156 innings pitched and so you know more will be expected of ryan this year sonny gray pablo lopez last year i think pitched 180 innings which never used to be that big of a deal but it is these days so they'll be watching them all and really you look at the closest competitor for the Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, and their starting rotation has been decimated with injury. Shane Bieber now isn't going to get back till after Labor Day. Uh, so the Twins know that right now they have a huge advantage over Cleveland when it comes to healthy starting pitchers, and the last thing they want to do is you know take any risks with that. No question that you know Christian Vasquez came over. We know how well he works with pitching staff. And I, you know, and, you know, Jeffers has been doing the job offensively, too, and he's probably picking up a few tricks of the trade from Vasquez. But I think the battery mates for these uh, pitchers probably aren't talking about them enough. Well, we've talked an awful lot about the starting pitching and how it is much improved from last year. We probably haven't spent enough time talking about where the Twins 
uh, catching situation was a year ago and where it is now. It's been Vasquez and Jeffers. They have alternated games uh, since the 4th of July, which means it'll be Jeffers tonight, I would imagine, if that pattern continues. But just think where the Twins' catching situation was last year. Jeffers was hurt. Gary Sanchez was catching too much. They had to pick off Sandy Leone uh, from the Cleveland minor league team to come in and, and patch a hole. Uh, and, and it just wasn't very good. It was, you could argue, the weakness of the team last year in the second half when they collapsed. Well, that's not the case now. Vasquez has, has done a nice job behind the plate. I'm not sure that there's a better pitch blocker in the league right now than Ryan Jeffers, and it's been a really nice tandem, and, and I think they're very pleased with how this 1-1A one one situation is going behind the plate where they simply you know, catch the whole game unless we pinch hit for you, catch and then uh, the next the other guy will catch the next game and let's just keep uh, leapfrogging that way uh, through the season if, if it works out that way it's it's really a wonderful situation the twins have now because I think they feel pretty good about both the uh, catchers uh, both defensively and Vasquez has got some big hits lately as well uh, a couple of doubles the other day so I think they're really happy with their catching situation some you don't see probably a whole lot maybe you used to in the past I always think of Junior Ortiz and Scott Erickson you know pitchers don't really have the designated catchers they just kind of they, they you know they they got to work with, with with both guys and try to work with them well right and uh, you know both Vasquez and Jeffers are right-handed batters so it's not a right left platoon system or anything like that uh, it's and I was talking with Ryan Jeffers yesterday about uh, you know, the complexity of catching now and framing and receiving the ball, blocking balls and all that. And I, the conversation started with me wondering how his tongue was because he got a, a pitch in the dirt that came under the mask and hit him in the throat and he bit his tongue and was bleeding <laughs> extensively but stayed in the game. But, uh, you know, it's so much more difficult to catch now than it was even, I think, 10 years ago. Um, so maybe – if they decide to go with an electronic strike zone, maybe that'll take some of the mental burden and the stress away from the catching position. Well, and you know, I think you you brought up a good point with the other, every other day. We've talked about the the grind that it is to be a catcher quite a bit, and I think it got focused on quite a bit when you had a superstar with Maurer and the injuries that he had. It might be a. I would be surprised if that's something that a lot of teams try to do just because of what what type of grind that position is night in and night out. Well, and now starting tonight, it's going to be really, really hot on the field. We're expecting a high temperature, I think, of 94 here in Minneapolis today, a day game tomorrow and a high of 95, 96. Then they go to Kansas City, and at least one of those games will be played in 100-degree heat. And then they go to St. Louis, and it's not going to get any easier there or cooler there. So, yeah, I would expect for the next week and a half anyway, the Twins will keep up uh, the pattern of letting – a guy catch one game and then giving him the next game off it. And you're right. I, I can see that there's some sense to that as long as you have what the twins have. And that is two pretty good catchers. Talked about uh, with Polanco and maybe Lewis coming back. Uh, what do you see them doing for the deadline? Derek Falvey has been quoted saying, and they're maybe, maybe looking for a right-handed bat, maybe a reliever. Um, I can't see them adding a big piece, but maybe, uh, maybe something complimentary, but uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I'm sure the Twins fans would like, uh, you know, a, a right-handed slugger to come in, uh, you know, a Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, somebody like that from a struggling Cardinal team. But do Twins fans really want the Twins give uh, giving away Royce Lewis 
for you know, a player like that, as good as Arenado is, you know, Royce Lewis has got a great future ahead of him. The the asking price for a lot of those players that might be of some help to the Twins is going to be very, very high. So we'll see how active they are. My guess is they won't be very active because they do have some good players coming back off the injured list. And uh, I think the Twins uh, would look forward to a lineup in the very near future that would have Royce Lewis, Kirilov, Julian, and some others in the middle of that lineup uh, with a you know very uh, up, uh, high upside and, and great potential to be all-star type players. And the last thing you want to do in a rental situation is uh, you know to give you know those players up and then watch them excel for another team. Well, I guess the final thing for you too is, are they a little gun shy because the trade deadline moves last year really blew up in their face too, and they gave away, gave away some pretty good prospects. Yeah, the Reds are, have been uh, have been able to accelerate their rebuild because, in part, uh, you know what the, the Twins gave up to get Tyler Malley last year. Uh, so yeah, you don't want to do that, but you know, you don't. At least I don't. I don't think fans do either. You don't want to discourage a front office for you know pushing the chips into the middle of the table and saying, "All right, let's go." Um, the one vulnerability that they've had all year long so far has been they have struggled against left-handed pitching. And so, if they add anybody from outside the organization, my guess it'll be a, a right-handed uh, batter who can handle lefties. But let's see. They'll get some lefties. Uh, they'll see some lefties, at least one, I think, in Kansas City, maybe another in St. Louis. And if this renewed, reinvigorated lineup can handle left-handers better than they did in the first half, maybe that need will go away as well. Dick, enjoy the game tonight. Stay cool if you can, and uh, hopefully they can finish off with another uh, great series the way they have the past couple weeks. And we'll talk next week from St. Louis. All right, sounds good. Dick Bremer, again, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins with us here. Uh, again, this is the Twins Wrap each and every week at this time here on the Jack Michaels Show. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in for Jack, who's on the road to Sioux Falls. We'll talk. Uh, we'll preview that game coming up again. And, of course, talk a little Legion baseball. That's on the way here on 7-4 The Fan. Twelve forty three on the Jack Michaels Show, 740 The Fan. No show tomorrow. Twins have a uh, day game tomorrow with the Mariners. That'll be 11.30 pregame, 12.10 on the first pitch. Back, uh, Jack will join us on uh, Thursday. Friday, we'll visit with Corey Provis and also going to talk about the uh, Wiffle Ball World Series, that uh, annual event, which has really become a thing out in Valley City. We're going to uh, talk, uh, we'll have a guest on that coming up on uh, on Friday. And uh, pleased to be joined, Joshua Maris is uh, the Legion coach at uh, Kindred Post 117 and uh, one of the guys spreading this weekend's, well, going to start this weekend and we'll continue through uh, next Tuesday, the North Dakota Class A State Legion Baseball Tournament. Hello, sir. Good to talk to you. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. Love the intro music, too, by the way. Well, I guess it kind of fits, doesn't it? Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> This is uh, this is no uh, this is not a, a, sh- a small undertaking, and you guys have uh, taken on some uh, some big tournaments here since you guys upgraded your facilities. As I'm kind of looking back at it, uh, State Babe Ruth in '20, uh, you had the uh, East Region tournament a couple of years ago, but this one uh, probably the biggest of uh, of the events. Yeah, we're really excited about uh, hosting the State Class A Legion. Uh, I mean, Babe Ruth is a big. Anytime you get a state tournament, you're obviously very excited about it, but. Uh, yeah, we're thrilled, and that was part of the deal. We had a, a fantastic uh, group that uh, worked on a big renovation, and uh, we wanted to get the big tournaments, and uh, we have a great committee of, of individuals working to 
hopefully provide some fantastic memories to a whole lot of players throughout the state. So is this something that you were awarded this, like how uh, like how far, it's usually done kind of year to year, but uh, how far uh, how far back did you know you were getting this? Uh, we knew in the fall. Uh, we So you have to do a little bit of a pitch. Uh, it, was a, it was a little bit more formal with the, with the state Babe Ruth, but uh, with the state legion we had to give a pitch and, and let them know that we were interested in it and, and uh, you know, some of the, let them know some of the things that we were going to do, take pride and be excited about. Um, and then, yeah, we found out in, and I can't remember the month exactly, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll say this fall, uh, August, September, October, somewhere in there. And I can say if you have not uh, gone to that facility, just the upgrades, uh, just the, the grandstand and everything that uh, it, it's it's taken a lot of resources, taken a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of hours from a lot of people. But uh, uh, it's. It's been fun to watch, like I said, just as the baseball program has uh, has taken off in recent years. And uh, I think you guys have you guys probably realized that the numbers went up and uh, that facilities have to match that. Yeah, you bet. Uh, it's been fun. I mean, so I came to Kindred in 2008, and I started coaching baseball in 2012. And seeing the transition that our facility has made over those years has been has been phenomenal. You know, the the, the field that we play on now, we're so lucky, we're so fortunate to have a beautiful field and, and all the aesthetics around it with the great dugouts and clubhouse and changing rooms and the batter's eye scoreboard. Uh, it's, it, you know, you got to sit back every now and then when you're in the middle of a game, there's been some great battles on our field, but uh, just step back and look around and you see all that, uh, you know, the beautiful nature of what uh, has been created and kindred has been special. You throw some golf carts out in the first baseline and, <laughs> uh, you know, all uh, beautiful brand new lights as well and uh yeah we're very proud of the facility we have it's special yeah it is uh, come a long ways uh it's a uh, very good field and you knew what you were going to see out of the uh, the east you were going to get uh you know there's probably a couple teams that were deserving that uh didn't make the uh, make the trip this middle class of legion baseball to me has been interesting because you've got a mix of kind of the small to mid-sized towns like kindred and castleton and valley city and wapaton and then you've got uh Kind of some of the feeder teams in the West Fargo's and the Pulse 400s and such, and um, but it's you know it's been interesting. I mean, you you guys won a state tournament at this level not uh, not that uh, long ago, and Castleton won it last year, and Wapatins won it. I mean, it's what I guess describe this. Uh, it's it's a good level of baseball in this middle class. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's it's a level of baseball where there's an incredible amount of parity. I mean, you step on the field any given night, and and you know you could win, you know you could lose. Um, if you don't come out with your A game, uh, you're going to get beat up on. If both teams play good games, it's almost always going to be a, a tight battle where it's just you know a little thing here or there that's going to make the difference in the game. But yeah, the A level is is a fantastic field. Um, it is very interesting, um, but it's it's something that that's a lot of fun to be a part of it. It doesn't have, you never have a game off where you where you don't have some anxiety as a coach or some stress as a coach on you know, this is going to be an easy win or an easy game or anything like that. You always know you have to be at the top of your game um, in order to win. And and the state tournament field, I'm sure you're going to get to it, but that's that's no different. I mean, there's a whole number of teams that could that could be hosting the trophy at the end of or hoisting the trophy at the end of things on Tuesday. It's going to be a a tough battle between all eight teams. It should be a lot of fun. Yep, uh, you know Wapiton's been very impressive out of the East. I guess so you've you've coached against them. I've seen them play a couple times. That's uh, that's a really solid squad. A couple of those teams from out west, I know, came in 
Um, uh, there was a tournament here, I think, in July. You were you were part a host of that, but uh, I know that the Senators were in that. I don't believe Dickinson was, but we saw a couple of the teams from out west. But there's not a lot of head to head over the course of the summer. What was the last part of that? I said there really hasn't been a lot of head to head between no. uh, just because uh, I think your your East right. Region schedule uh, is pretty demanding. Yeah, the East Region. There's 11 teams in the East Region, so you have 10 doubleheaders that you have to get in. Plus, you want to take take on a couple tournaments as well. So mm-hmm. it's tough to do some crossing. We did play Mandan, um, and we've seen some scores from out west as well. I mean, I expect Bismarck Senators and Dickinson to be very good teams. Um, but you're right. Uh, I don't know much about uh, you know how we don't we don't get to see a lot of the west teams, uh, whereas more so the east. Yep, you will uh, get. We're very, very familiar with the East. Yep, you will get uh, Dickinson uh, the final game. Uh, the ceremonies, opening ceremonies, are before your game Friday night, right? Opening ceremonies about six fifteen on Friday night. Yep, that'll be a uh, a fun night of uh, celebrating baseball, celebrating America, and then uh, you know just celebrating us being able to host this in Kindred. We've got some uh, some fun festivities planned. With, getting all the teams out on the field and recognizing the accomplishment of making it to the state tournament. Uh, we'll have a color guard in town. Our local legion will be presenting the colors. Uh, we have some great national anthem singers all throughout the tournament. Heidi Hess has done a phenomenal job for us singing the national anthem, so I think she's going to be great to listen to. And We're going to have some drone pictures and uh, potentially a flyover. We've been working on that, but nothing set yet, so... Um, but the opening ceremonies will take place about 6:15, and then uh, our game against Dickinson will follow that. Well, I, hopefully you don't, uh, you know, wipe out Costco and Walmart of water. That's just going to be a it's going to be a warm <laughs> one this week, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they're right in the forecast that tomorrow is going to be the worst of the uh, of the heat, and right. it'll dip down a little bit. We've been fortunate this year; it hasn't been uh, super hot like it has been in previous summers, but. Yeah, we hope the heat stays away, and of course, we hope the precipitation stays away as well. Yep, that's uh, they got to say. Kind of cross your fingers with that. But uh, four games Friday, uh, before Saturday, three Sunday, and then uh, next Monday you've got uh, two games in the championship a week from today uh, at noon. It's uh, like I said, it's going to be a, a really good field, and uh, that's kind of the thing. You uh, well, so you kind of you wear your track hat kind of in the in the you're the track coach in the uh, in the spring, and then you kind of jump over to baseball. But boy, those. Uh, I guess I'm always impressed with teams that can you can squeeze in 30, 40 games and do it in the span of maybe two months tops. That's uh, that's uh, no short uh, no short undertaking. That's for sure. Yeah, you hit, you hit the ground running. That's for sure. We get done with track, take a week off, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a rare thing to have a track coach and a Legion baseball coach, but uh, but I but I very much enjoy it. So yeah, 30, 31 games is where we're sitting right now. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. You're busy. So, that's yeah, for sure. Josh, appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to it. We will uh, see you out there uh, this weekend, but uh, appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, Joshua Maris, the uh, Legion coach at uh, Kindred, Kindred Post 117. They have the 7 o'clock game against the Dickinson Volunteers Friday night, scheduled for the first round Friday, 11 a.m., Wapiton versus uh, Watford City. And if you've not seen this Wapiton team play, they are uh, they are fun to watch. Good veteran squad there. Bismarck Senators and the West Fargo Vets around 1.30. The Bismarck Capitals and Castleton at 4. And Castleton's the defending champ. And then the opening ceremony about 6.15. And then Kindred and Dickinson at uh, 7. And again, that tournament continues through next Tuesday in Kindred. Class B tournament starts tomorrow in Carrington and... 
The double uh, A is on right now out in Dickinson, trying to uh, dodge maybe a few raindrops there. But uh, West Fargo uh, Patriots lead Mandan on that one, eight to one in the uh, seventh, and schedule for the rest of the day out there. Uh, up next will be Bismarck and Jamestown. Post two plays the late game tonight against Williston, and Post four hundred takes on Minot. But uh, if you're a baseball fan, it's a fun time of year. Yeah, I, I got a, a few of our. Uh, friends at the lake, they are out in Dickinson as we speak. So they are, oh, are they? Know, yeah. Very just, nice. We had to help them because their tree fell on their house. And oh, wow. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, just it was kind of the top of the branches or whatever, so yep. it could have been a lot worse. But, yeah, so yep. I said, we got to get this done because we're taking out for Dickinson. I know so. DGF's heading to state. Yes. Uh, they, uh, they beat, it was a Wadena, and I think was it the uh, Wadena had to forfeit because they had pitcher had too many appearances mm-hmm. or something along those lines. But uh, they've had, to, again, that's uh, – They've talk? had a good spring. The girls won the softball. Yes. And, yeah, so. Boys uh, had a solid season as well. And I tell you, mm-hmm. that's uh, talk about area schools around here that had good years. And we talked a little bit about the Central Cast, what, they, uh, what they've what they done, and a little bit with Kindred as well. Speaking of Josh, they had a terrific boys track team that won the state. But what DGF did this year yeah. over the span of the school year, and that kind of bleeds into the summer. That's uh, small towns. You don't get that too often. Just one play you don't want to talk about, and that's about it. So uh, yes, yeah, that one that one's gonna sting for a while. There's no doubt <laughs> yeah. about that. So. Yeah, I, I still think about it as much joy as I had the day before. I <laughs> yeah. my heart still stings oh, to the one, rebels. That, that one aches, no doubt yeah. about you that. You don't want to make Sports Center for stuff like that. No, that's uh, that is definitely the case. Again, no show tomorrow. Back with it on uh, Thursday. Jack will be back. Red Hawks and the. Uh, uh, Red Hawks and Sioux Falls versus yes. three of the Canaries at uh, pregame 6.15 tonight, 6.35 from the Birdcage right here on uh, 7.40 The Fan. Thanks to uh, Dick Bramer and Josh Almeris for joining us. Common Man is next. Have a, well, stay cool out there, although we might get a little bit of rain. The possibility exists, and uh, we will try it again on Thursday here on the Jack Michael Show on The Fan. We'll see you.